0: Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're gonna begin a new series, Stories of Advent. So for the next four weeks in December, we're gonna be looking at four important characters in the Christmas story. Mary, Joseph, Herod, and Jesus. So this week, we're looking at obedience and surrender, which is exemplified by Mary. Next week, Todd is gonna bring us a sermon on Joseph. And then the following week, we're gonna look at King Herod, Less so his life, because there's not a whole lot in Scripture about Herod, but more so what Herod represents. Um, he represents the kingdom of evil in this world, especially during this time in the first century. And then on Christmas Eve, for our candlelight service, we'll have a short teaching on the blessing and the victory of Jesus Christ. So I'm looking forward to this series. Well, before we dive in, let me share my usual primer on Advent. What is Advent? This word, it comes from the Latin word adventus, which means an arrival or an approach. You know, Advent is a time of preparation and waiting for the coming of the Messiah as we celebrate on Christmas day. So for these four weeks in December, leading up to Christmas, we're preparing our hearts. We light the advent wreath. Thank you, Todd and Anna for putting together this beautiful wreath for us today. And we focus on the Christmas story. So let's just jump right in. We're gonna take a look at our primary text for today. Luke chapter one, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So earlier in this chapter, this same angel Gabriel appeared to a priest named Zechariah. And he said that he and his wife, in spite of their old age, would conceive and have a son to be named John. And this is John the Baptist. He had a miraculous conception and birth. And John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in the womb. And then now six months later, Gabriel appears to Mary in Nazareth, to announce another miraculous birth. And Gabriel said to Mary, "'Greetings, you who are highly favored. "'The Lord is with you.'" You know, it's interesting, I spent a lot of time with the Catholics. I worked for the Catholic diocese for a couple of years doing graphics and stuff for them. And then I worked for the Catholic high school for a couple years. And uh, the rosary prayer begins with something called Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And we'll get to that second line in a bit, but, but these two lines, at least these, this part of it, comes from chapter one in Luke, this greeting from Gabriel. And I should, just quick distinction here, anytime I bring up Catholicism, we're a Protestant church. Most Protestant traditions, we don't pray to Mary, we don't venerate Mary, we don't grant any kind of theological distinctions to Mary other than what we find in scripture which is that Mary was just simply a humble servant of the Lord. She was a fallible human being, just like us. But today we do wanna recognize the importance of her surrender and her obedience to God. We can learn a lot from her example, just as, as we can learn from any of these great examples in scripture. But Mary does play this very important role as the mother of Jesus. Gabriel says that she is highly favored by the Lord. The Lord is with her. You know, Mary was not just some random Jewish girl that God pulled out of a hat, you know. She was chosen by God for such a time as this. And the prophet Isaiah wrote about Mary 700 years before Jesus was born. This prophecy, 700 years before Jesus was born, isn't that incredible? I mean, there's so much fulfilled prophecy between Old and New Testament. It just blows my mind. But this is what Isaiah writes. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Incredible. 700 years before the birth of Christ, God spoke through Isaiah So Mary was not just randomly chosen. God, in his sovereignty, he chose her specifically to be a part of his plan to redeem mankind. She would be the mother, the earthly mother, of Jesus the Messiah. And yet, who was Mary? She was not powerful. She was not rich or famous. She was not anyone of importance in first century Judea. She was a nobody. She was from Nazareth, which is this Completely unimportant little town in Galilee. Now, Nazareth was nothing. I mean, it's incredible that for all eternity, Jesus is known as Jesus of Nazareth, which is not impressive. That is not an impressive title. I mean, today, when people say things like, yeah, I was born in Chicago or, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, there's, there's some meaning behind that. You can ask questions like, oh, did you try deep dish pizza or, or what's the traffic like in LA, you know, stuff like that. Nazareth, nothing. There's nothing special or important or recognizable about Nazareth. Forgive me for this, but it's kind of like being from Milton. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Milton. I love the people here. I love our little town. I love our bakery. It's so good. I love Boomerang Pizza. I love going to the Blackwater River. Like, we're so blessed to live in this, this little gem, Milton. But when people from out of state ask me, like, oh, you're from Florida? Where? I say, well, I'm near Pensacola. I just, I don't want to go through this whole thing of like, yeah, Milton, you know, it's like Northeast and then this pace and then Baghdad and blah, blah, blah. If you just say, I'm near Pensacola, they're like, oh, yeah. I think I know where that is. Because no one has ever heard of Milton, Florida, right? Unless you're from here. And it was the same for Nazareth. Not important. Nobody's ever heard of it. In the Gospel of John, Jesus calls Philip to be his disciple. And then Philip goes and finds his friend Nathaniel, invites him to follow Jesus too. And Philip says, hey, bro, Uh, Paraphrasing here, bro, we found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. Some of you are like, what translation is that? So Philip says, we found him. We found this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's what he says in the Gospel of John. You know, it's kind of like learning about where Bubba Watson came from. Anybody know Bubba Watson, professional golfer? He grew up in Baghdad, just south of Milton. I mean, it basically is Milton, right? It kind of gets swallowed up in Milton. That's right. Baghdad, population 1,500. And Bubba has won the green jacket at the Masters twice. He is one of the best golfers to ever play. At one point, he was ranked second in the world. Very impressive, and he's he's from this place that nobody knows about. I mean, we just drive through Baghdad to get to Highway 10, right? Like, oh, that's nice. Okay, goodbye Baghdad. So that's what it was like for Mary and Joseph. And Jesus from Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth apparently? Yes. The savior of the world was raised in Nazareth. So Mary was no one special, but she was called by God and because of her obedience, she played an important role something very special, the redemption of mankind. She played her part well. And the name Mary is actually the Greek form of a Hebrew name, Miriam, the sister of Moses, and this can have many different meanings. Uh, One of the meanings is exalted one, which I think is very fitting Mary, the mother of the Messiah. Let's continue reading from our passage in verse 29. End. There is a lot of important information from this message, from Gabriel. Mary's going to conceive and give birth to Jesus, her son, Joseph's son, also God's son, son of the most high. He will be great. His kingdom will never end. And so Mary responds with a very fair question. She says, How will this be? Mary asked the angel, "Since I am a virgin." You know, it's it's difficult to imagine what Mary must have felt like in that moment. Like, "What? I'm going to conceive?" "Gabriel, I'm betrothed, but I'm not married. I'm a virgin. This is really inconvenient timing, Gabriel. This is going to look really bad for me. I mean, what's Joseph going to think? What are all my friends and family going to think? Everyone in Nazareth, I'm going to be a pariah." What's going to happen to my marriage? I mean, I would have understood any of those thoughts flying through her mind. Obviously, we're just speculating today, but the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. The Holy Spirit is going to bring about this miracle. Jesus will be holy, set apart. He will be the son of God. And then Gabriel reminds her, like your cousin, or I'm sorry, your relative, Elizabeth, who became pregnant miraculously in her old age, Remember that? Anything is possible. You ain't seen nothing yet, Mary. You thought that was cool? How about conceiving miraculously through the Holy Spirit? That's pretty cool. But I think that last line from Gabriel is just so powerful here. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Our God does not lie. He is never mistaken. He never overestimates himself He never just takes a wild guess like humans do sometimes. Our God is faithful. He is reliable. If our God says he will do something, it is done. It is done. So, what does Mary say to all of this? What is her response? I wouldn't blame her if she just launched into this diatribe of worries and concerns and doubts about what's going to happen to her next. But no, she says this I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary says, yes. She says, yes to God. And this is it, right? Like, this is really the whole sermon. This is the lesson that we can all take away from this. Say yes to God. No matter how weird or crazy or out of left field, it seems, if more people today could be like Mary and be obedient and surrender to the will of God, I think we'd be in a much better place. You know, so what is it for you then, church? What is God asking you to say yes to today? What's God doing in your heart? What is the thing that God has been asking you to give up or to pursue or to surrender? You know, what is that desire of your heart that God wants you to seek? Are you saying yes to God? Maybe there is a nasty sin or habit and God's been nudging you and saying, you need to give that up. We need to clean that up. Not because I'm just some finger pointing judge, but because I love you and I want you to be free from the sin that enslaves you. So if God is calling you to give up a habit or a sin, are you saying yes to God today? Maybe God is calling you to a leap of faith, but you're scared. You don't know what's gonna happen. The future is uncertain. And it is important that we know when the Lord is fully calling us to something, right? That discernment is important. So invite some friends into that with you. If you feel like God is calling you to take a leap of faith, get some confirmation. Share it with some friends that you trust. Be like, hey, I think God's calling me to this. Will you pray into this with me? I just wanna make sure, because I wanna say yes to God, You know, this verse, verse 38, this would make a great breath prayer to start your day with. You guys ever heard of breath prayers? It's just kind of like this, very short little prayer. You can say it in one breath. And uh, breath prayers are great to start your day in the morning. You wake up, get out of bed, just say a little prayer. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I encourage you, just try that out. Try that out tomorrow morning or tonight before you go to bed. Try beginning your day with this prayer of surrender. And I think these short, simple little prayers can be so powerful. We can memorize them. We can carry them with us. You can just offer up these prayers anytime throughout the day. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, there was a season in my life where I prayed Psalm 1914 every morning when I woke up. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You can try that one out too. I mean, it's just such a simple way to orient yourself in the Lord every morning. And there's, there are so many really great verses for this. You know, like really any verse that helps you get right with God in the morning. Say that little prayer. In the Gospel of Matthew, we learned that an angel appears to Joseph as well. We're going to learn more about Joseph's story next week. Looking forward to Todd's teaching. Um, So back to Mary. I I have to wonder, you know, how long did it take for Mary to physically experience the signs of pregnancy? Was it that night after Gabriel left? Did she get morning sickness? I mean, Scripture doesn't tell us these things. I have to wonder, you know, is, is Mary like about to, Ralph, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, being pregnant can be very unpleasant, right? Ladies who have been pregnant. What kind of cravings did Mary get when she was carrying the Messiah? You know how uh, if you have multiple children, sometimes your cravings are different depending on the kid. I know with Zoe, Biz craved a lot of Chick-fil-A, pumpkin pie. I can't remember what she craved with ZJ. It was very different though. You know, maybe Mary was just going to town on the Ezekiel bread. Dang girl, ease up. Eating us out of house and home. You know, it's always exciting to be around a pregnant mom when, when the baby starts kicking, right? <gasps> the baby's kicking. Come feel my belly. Anybody do that? Yeah. You know, but Mary's pregnancy trumps all other pregnancies because she's, she could say, oh, Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy One of Yahweh is kicking. Come feel my belly. I mean, that's really impressive, right? I mean, she could just pull out all the fancy names. Oh, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, wonderful Counselor, almighty God, Prince of Peace, Alpha and Omega, Rose of Sharon, Author and Fisher of our Faith, Good Shepherd, Lamb of God, Chief, Cornerstone, Bright Morning Star, Fountain of Living Waters, the Way, the Truth, the Life is kicking in my belly. Oh, you know, by the way, Never just reach out and touch a pregnant woman's belly. Don't do that. If you're family or a very close friend, you can ask, oh, is the baby kicking? Do you mind if I feel? You can ask. And they may just be like, no, no thanks. Don't touch me. Uh, It's just very weird to just reach out and touch a random lady's pregnant belly without permission. Just, you know, just a heads up. Not speaking from permission, but. Yeah, yeah. Yep. (gasps) Is it kicking? Um, I don't know you, don't touch my belly, please. So later, Mary visits her relative, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, and she is late, late stage pregnancy. You know, in some translations, Elizabeth is referred to as Mary's cousin, but Elizabeth is actually Mary's aunt, so some translations have fixed that and say relative instead of cousin. Uh, So Mary visits Elizabeth, she enters their home, says hello, and we read this in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to see me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Wow. So Mary and Elizabeth kind of have this special bond. They both have miraculous pregnancies. Very cool. Incredible circumstances. Both of their sons had a special calling from the Lord. I mean, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. He would be the prophet that would prepare the way for Jesus, and he had this message of repentance. And even in the womb, I mean, John was doing backflips in there when the Son of God approached, also still in the womb. I mean, just such a incredible. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she just gives this prophetic utterance. I have to imagine the scene that it just kind of burst out of her, that the Holy Spirit just came powerfully on her, and blah. Blessed are you, Mary. Blessed is the child you will bear. She was blessed for her obedience. She was blessed for her surrender. She was blessed for her faith. Mary believed. And Mary was blessed because she had the honor of carrying and giving birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And yes, Mary was indeed blessed, but you know, let's also remember that there was great sacrifice required in being the mother of the son of God. You know, Mary had to watch Jesus be tortured and crucified. And, you know, I've only been a parent for six years. It has awakened something in me, the papa bear. I, there is nothing I dislike more in this world than seeing my children suffer. Stress just goes through the roof. I have to do something to help them and protect them. Mary had to watch her son be tortured and crucified. She watched him die. You know, Mary also experienced great joy when she saw Jesus alive again, resurrected after the third day. You know, did Mary ever wonder if Jesus would take a wife? If he would have children. Would Mary ever get to hold a grandchild from Jesus, born of the Messiah? Would she get to watch Jesus grow older? I have to wonder if, if these thoughts went through her head when she saw her son alive again, but then 40 days after the resurrection, she watched her son ascend into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. That's gotta be so tough. You know, and Jesus was fully aware of the sacrifice that Mary had to make, and while Jesus was on the cross, he asked his close friend and disciple, the apostle John, he asked him to care for his mother and to be like an adopted son for her. You know, and I'm sure that Mary held all of her desires about Jesus with an open hand because she knew, she, she knew what his calling was, and she demonstrated when she first met Gabriel that she was surrendered, that she would be obedient. This is, after all, the Messiah, the Son of God, with a special calling of his own. You know, as we'll read in a bit, Mary was fully aware of all of that. So in Luke chapter two, I'm gonna summarize a little bit here. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. There was no room in the inn, so Mary, (coughs) excuse me, So Mary wrapped Jesus in cloth and laid him in a manger. And I know today this has just kind of become this rote thing, you know, it's cute. Oh, look at little baby Jesus in the manger. But if you think about it, like a manger back then was gross. It was something animals ate out of. It was a feeding trough, literally. I'm sure they tried to clean it up as much as they could, but still, it's a feeding trough and they have to lay their baby in there. They were probably surrounded by smelly animals. You know, it was this extremely humble place for Jesus to be born in. You know, ZJ was born at Santa Rosa Medical Center, which I thought was a pretty humble place to be born. They took good care of us. They did a good job. I know a lot of people are like, no, I don't go there. I go to Sacred Heart in Pensacola. Uh, But there's been some debate about where exactly Jesus was born. Most scholars say it wasn't strictly a stable Uh, it It wasn't like this detached shelter for animals. It was most likely the bottom floor of the inn, which was traditionally where the guests' animals would stay. So it functioned as a stable. And some scholars say it might have even been a cave if the inn was built on top of a cave, which was common in that region. Either way, very humble beginnings. For the savior of the world... You know, but the king of kings was not without a herald. We keep reading in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to summarize. There was a host of angels that appeared before some lowly shepherds. Again, nobodies, nobody important, lowly shepherds, working class. I mean, this is not high up on the the first century Roman food chain, right? It'd be like if a host of angels suddenly appeared in the kitchen at Whataburger, And they're saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. You know, everyone's just like, they stop, you know, dropping the fries in the oil or whatever. The shepherds, they travel to see Jesus. They tell Joseph and Mary about what they heard, what they saw. And then we read this in verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them In her heart. And it's so easy for us to just quickly read past this verse. You know, oh, that's nice. Mary's getting sentimental. But I think there's something more going on here. You know, I have to imagine that Mary battled doubt. I mean, she was the mother of the Messiah. Of course, the enemy is going to target her and attack her as much as possible, they're going to try and fill her with doubt and worry. You know, what if she just dreamed up all of this? What if my baby isn't the Messiah? What if I sin and God gets mad at me and and changes his mind and takes Jesus away from me? You know, I can't imagine the kinds of lies the enemy might try to feed her. And that just makes the words of Gabriel even more potent. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And so Mary received this powerful promise during her meeting with Gabriel. She received confirmation from her relative Elizabeth, who prophetically declared, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then a long nine months after that, until Jesus was born, did she have doubts? Did she struggle? Did the enemy try to attack her with lies? You know, what kind of king is born in a filthy stable? Was she having doubts as she was resting Jesus in a manger? Was the enemy trying to say, this isn't the son of God, the son of God wouldn't be born like this? But then the shepherds show up and they told them about the host of angels. And it was yet another confirmation from the Lord. This is Jesus, this is Emmanuel, the son of God. And so Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And this is important. This is crucial because there were gonna be many more challenges ahead for Mary and Joseph, right? And, And we humans, we are such forgetful creatures. I mean, God can speak so clearly to us in a moment and then an hour later, we're just, we've taken our eyes off him and we're falling in the water just like Peter. We forget. We're such forgetful creatures. It can be so helpful to write down the things that God reveals to you in a journal. Write down the things that God has done for you, the way he has come through, the way he has provided for you. Whenever the hard times come, and they will come, right? Hard times inevitably come. We we shouldn't be surprised anymore. It's always disappointing. It's like, oh. But we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't say, why me, God? I mean, the rain falls on everyone, right? Right? Hard times will come, and it's good for us to remember all the ways that God has been faithful to us or the words that He has clearly spoken to us. We need to write those down so we can go back and remember. Remember what Gabriel said. Remember what Elizabeth said. Remember that the angel appeared to Joseph. Remember that the angels appeared to the shepherds. Mary had to hold on to these things for the next 30 years as she watched her son go through some horrible things. It's important for us to remember that God is good, that he has provided a way, that he is with us, that he is making a way for us, amen. No word from God will ever fail. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, we thank you for the incredible story of Mary, her obedience, her faithfulness, her surrender, her humility. God, I pray we could be like that. I pray you would give us that same trust, that same obedience. You know, God, we pray you protect us from the lies from the enemy. Help us to remember the ways that you have blessed us, that you have come through for us. Help us to remember the things you have spoken to us. No word from you will ever fail, Lord. Help us to remember that. Help us to be your humble servants. May your word to us be fulfilled. Today's benediction is from Numbers chapter six. If you'd like, I just invite you to hold your hands out to receive a blessing from the Lord today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace, guys. I love you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Looking forward to Todd's teaching.